0: Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 407 on Tuesday, the 22nd of June 2021. Hello, I'm Alan.
1: Hello, I'm Andrew. And in a week where Alfa Romeo announced their new head of design, two months after it was announced who their new head of design was, we'll be reminded of how much we want to try an ox. We'll get spooked by an autonomous vehicle weakness and the first corner of the Nordschleife will now be remembered forever. But first, we have a tiny bit of follow-up. And for a change, it is about the E10 fuel that is coming in from September. Mm -hmm. And it's the fact that the government has finally woken up that it perhaps needs to mention this quite loudly to people. (laughs) Because people seem to be finding this out as we're going along where they haven't heard it previously, even though we've banged on about it. And they're going, oh no, the end of the world because it's E10. And it's not quite that bad, as we've discussed. Yeah. Some vehicles will be affected. There are checking sites available that you can find out if your vehicle will be affected. But essentially, it's happening It's supposedly going to help our clean air and greenhouse gas emission targets. Apparently going to save, or it could, sorry, the the keywords, could cut road transport CO2 emissions by 750,000 tonnes a year.
0: The list of vehicles affected is tiny. Yes. You're more likely to have problems with your lawnmower and your strimmer if you leave it in it over the winter. That's actually, as far as I'm concerned, that's the big takeaway. Your garden machinery which you leave for long periods or your car, if you're leaving it for a long period, empty it out or use super unleaded for your last use of the year. Yep. Just to clear that out. Okay. That's, that's my top consumer tip for the week. Excellent. Well, not nearly as good consumer advice as this next story, because of course, so many of, of our listeners, uh, both drive Aston Martins and have put down deposits for the Valkyrie with, with the Swiss, uh, with some of the Swiss dealers and some of the Swiss dealer networks. Yep. Uh, it was announced this morning actually from the financial times although the linked story uh, is from autocar the aston martin is going to sue a swiss dealer and its board members and the reason it's and its board members is because that swiss dealer has sort of disappeared uh, but a whole new one with the same board members has appeared instead <laughs> or oh, coincidentally pardon me not instead coincidentally Aston Martin have filed legal proceedings to find out and to try to recuperate the £10 million worth of Valkyrie deposits uh, which that dealer was supposedly paid and which has failed to, to pass on to Aston Martin. Yeah, supposedly... According to this auto car, car story, it was signed by the previous management, but everything that goes wrong in Aston Martin right at the minute is, is seems to be the fault of the previous management. Yep. So well, uh, None is of it is anything current. It is absolutely classic, yes. But no, they're saying that this missing £10 million worth of deposits will cause and will contribute to a £15 million uh, kick in the profits uh, this year from Aston Martin. Uh, they're saying that they're still fully committed to ensuring customers receive delivery of their Valkyrie as scheduled and in future they'll be collecting the deposits themselves and not through a third party. Yep. So there we go. There has been a learning incident <laughs> uh, as well as a legal incident.
1: Yes, there has. Right, talking of of money, um but this time from the government as they have announced the latest it's being couched as winners of the 20 million EV innovation fund. So the government has been putting money forward. People have been bidding to say that their project, um, with extra financial help from the government, is an interesting one and will help uh, the wider society and will push the UK forward as a centre for EV excellence in terms of technology and the likes. Now, one of our favourite projects that's been pottering along quietly in the background the ox vehicle they are one of the winners and what they are doing is actually called the chilled ox so this is a solar powered refrigeration system please sir uh, is it
0: worth mentioning and reminding people that the ox has moved from being transit powered in front wheel drive to being electric in front wheel drive which is how it it qualifies for this so just in case you're thinking but the ox has the diesel engine uh, it doesn't anymore
1: uh yes we've probably not mentioned that actually not really so, no, no yeah but uh why, uh, in this instance, um, because there is a big problem of uh transporting foodstuffs in um the developing world, where the ox is aimed for for this uh, particularly at an economic rate, it's a bit similar to the grand Tour when they went out there to to cure it this the same problem is what I mean is that there mm-hmm food for the interior is different from food from on the coast because no one can transport it around at a rate yeah. that can be afforded either one way or the other so the idea is that yeah this obviously the ox platform is a uh, is aimed at lower priced markets they are trying to make the vehicle as simple as possible now with the electric uh, drivetrain and using a solar powered refrigeration system they reckon that they will get up to 37% increase in the battery range for their vehicle which is excellent news um so they they've managed to gain uh, over 3 over 350,000 pounds worth of government funding
0: Sorry, I was going to say there's quite a long list here, so it's well worth a little bit of a look if you are interested in this. Can can I choose my yeah, favorite do. one as well? So the one that I was going to highlight was actually something called the Bev Scan project. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's won two hundred almost two hundred twenty thousand pounds to develop a plug in device for EVs that records battery health. Now the th- the reason that that's important and clever is that it means that consumers can test the battery when they're buying a second hand or a used EV because that's one of the big worries is you don't know how the EV was used beforehand that can have an effect on uh, on the battery and the battery life cycle so if you can check that then it means that obviously you can give an idea of what the vehicle is worth it's probably more important than mileage yeah. um, in many ways i think that's going to be really important for
1: prices of used EVs i think particularly as as they become more as they come more onto the market now I and mean, we're seeing second-hand battery vehicles become a viable thing Mm. people are considering but also i'm quite surprised that that's not already within the car's software or that information is not projected by the car's software
0: yes so am i this this prompted came from a discussion on mm, twitter as well which is one of the reasons why it kind of highlighted itself to me and it was to do with somebody having reset a nissan leaf one Mm. which you can do in the system and then somebody bought it because it was showing full battery level because it hadn't been driven for the bit to drop it Mm. and then by the time they got it home it was like showing that actually it's only got 70 percent of its original battery capacity left and that that's what triggered this to me so having a device that can do that because none really exists at the minute that can scan and can can tell you and and look at the battery history is is actually really quite important Mm. Uh, and the Leaf is unusual in that it, it, it can actually show you uh, battery health in a non sort of main dealer accessible manner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah, so do have a look through that, uh, the, the link from Autocar, because there are several really interesting projects out there, which I think are going to help us because it's going to take, I think it's going to take this sort of multi-pronged, approach to different aspects of the problems because nobody's going to be able to solve all the problems nobody will be considering all the problems so if if these startups are targeting one bit and then the industry either pays a license fee or adopts the technology in a fair and fair manner that rather than just nick it then then can only be good for for us as the consumers
0: yes yeah lots of lots of good stuff in there actually really good infrastructure stuff Making everything better for 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 end users yeah. as opposed to just manufacturers, yeah. which is what's cool. It's all about the the network and the the, the ecosystem. That's yeah. the word I'm looking for. Anyway, next up, talking of multi pronged attacks mm. on on things. Madrid, uh, it's looking to replace a thousand traditional in inverted commas uh, 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 sorry inverted commas podcaster zone, taxis with hydrogen vehicles. So, this is so the plan is to move, is to by 2026, uh, replace at least a thousand of Madrid taxis with hydrogen uh, powered ones instead. And the aim is to decarbonize urban public mobility. There's an investment going into this of over 100 uh, million euros. Uh, The idea is that, well, the bullet point here in this story from fuelcellsworks.com. Uh, says that the project will develop an innovative business model as a service, which allows taxi professionals to make use of the hydrogen electric vehicle at a competitive price compared to a traditional technologies. They're going to lease them, everyone. That's what it means. They're going to lease them. But the idea is they introduce these... Into the infrastructure and people can lease them. Obviously, if you're working in in a city centre in a in a is a, a city in a combined area like that, you don't need that many hydrogen stations uh, to make that work. I know certainly Paris, very big on having hydrogen taxis, and they get by with with two or three refuelling stations. Uh, I think there's one out by Charles de Gaulle. There's one right in the middle beside the Pont d'Alma, uh, where the Mouche go from. And I think there's one other to the south of the city as well. Uh, but that covers that covers pretty much Paris. Madrid is smaller than Paris, so I, I imagine they'll 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 be fine with that. The Madrid Taxi Professional Federation has combined has partnered with I didn't read this properly uh, a gas uh, provider, uh, a renewable <laughs> ventures company, Toyota Spain, uh, P, uh, and PWC. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of. I'm not even going to go there. I don't speak Spanish. I don't even pretend to be, speak Spanish. So I'm not going to go there. So yes, the chances are there'll be mirai. Yes. In case you want to know what to expect, they probably going to be mirai. Yep,
1: absolutely. No, that's great. Anyway, that's lots. Good, good, good thing that I, I, I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Me, me too. Because the council, the, the 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 city council has found, seen this is a problem and gone right. This is one way we can address it because the infrastructure needed to support that, as you. It, said is nothing like the infrastructure needed for the similar number of uh, if they were purely electric vehicle
0: oh yeah i didn't even think about that i'm so sorry i was just going i was just trying to fend off the oh yeah but uh, there's only like uh, uh two hydrogen stations and
1: uh, that's not nearly enough uh, yeah but if you've got a thousand customers is. then
0: <laughs> yeah then it's worth it 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 again it's from that point of view it's also breaking the chicken and egg cycle mm-hmm. that, that hydrogen often has because all of a sudden well there there are the there are there are the eggs now show us the chicken um <laughs> you know what i mean um oh god there's a there's the episode title um uh then you know what i mean it, it sort of breaks yeah. that and people say well the, you by 2026 we're going to have a, at least a thousand hydrogen vehicles so let's start planning to stick in some infrastructure and hydrogen stations. Uh, Container can be containerized.
1: Yeah, and by getting them together, all the 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 stakeholders. If we're going to go into day job speech, but Mm. if we get all the stakeholders together, which it looks like they've done early on, and said right. If to do this what's your problem what's your problem what's your problem and it sounds like they are going right we'll address that we'll address that we'll address that and the interesting part here by the way is it's
0: the uh, is certainly the way the the story was phrased there is that it's the taxi federation that 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 seems to be the hub of this mm. as opposed to somebody trying to impose it on the taxi federation yeah like our next story
1: yes so let's go to greater <laughs> manchester if we have <laughs> let's
0: to let's go to the completely the opposite way of doing this yes
1: Now, uh, their mayoral elections are rearing their heads for Greater Manchester. And what Greater Manchester is going to have to do is implement a clean air zone. Now, the one being proposed at the moment by the uh, current incumbent is going to be a clean air zone similar to Birmingham and uh, Bristol. Um, No, Bath, sorry, not Bristol, because they are targeting... Commercial vehicles, uh, vans, private hire, vehicles, taxis, that sort of thing, coaches and minibuses. So it's not not private cars, cars, not private motorbikes at this stage. And what they're talking about is quite a hefty chunk of price if you're taking a lorry in there, though. £60 a day if you are of a polluting version. Uh, Vans paying £10 and taxis private hires to pay £7.50. Now you may go. Oh well, that doesn't matter. But Greater Manchester's area is massive. I mean, it. This is. I, I wonder if this is a. I, there
0: was. A, it crossed my mind that this may be a sort of urination contest with London, with basically uh, you know the mayor, uh, Greater Manchester Mayor uh, Andy Burnham, having a. Having, as I say, a urination contest with Sadiq Khan over who can put in the biggest ule. So, well,
1: they've just gone. Greater Manchester's just gone. We're going to the limits of Greater Manchester from the off, whereas Sadiq Khan has increased it incrementally. Oh, <laughs> well, that's
0: true. I mean, this is. It is just. It is a big, big four hundred and
1: ninety three square miles is what Greater Manchester covers. You are looking at past Wigan in the west you are almost at Huddersfield in the east you go down as far as Wilmslow and you go up north beyond Rochdale so this is a huge huge area
0: just out of interest does this not cross the M6 yes surely that doesn't
1: count that can't be counted crosses the M6 goes surely the M6 isn't included and the M62 and the M58 and the M60 yeah and there are no exceptions on this by the way no, so It I, doesn't look. I can't see any in this Manchester Evening uh, News story. I don't know if they're going to include the M6. We don't have that sort of detail they yet. They can't. But they it goes, the M6 can't. crosses it from Haydock up through past Standish, uh, just, just below Adlington on the map. Oh, sorry. And the N61. Sorry, I forgot to. I forgot that as well.
0: It's needed,
1: by the way. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, lots and lots of hotspots. Obviously, it's something like 128,
1: Manchester. 130 roads, which are of the worst levels of mm. whatever the markers are, but they are in the, the yeah. The highest it's it's uh,
0: 152 stretches of those of those roads. Uh, which are likely, it says, to breach legal nitrogen dioxide limits beyond 2020 if no action is taken. So Yeah, I mean, something needs to be done, and this is a big, big something. This isn't this isn't tiptoeing into it and going, oh, we'll do as little as we possibly can. This is like, right, a whole flipping lot. Of course, there's a lot of opposition, part of a mayoral election. There's lots of people saying, well, this is actually the congestion charge that people in Manchester rejected a few years ago, uh, and that this is a stealth tax uh, as well. So... Lots of opposition, but no. But in principle, it's it's going ahead.
1: Yeah, but as it's more the commercial side of things, what you basically mean is everything's going to start costing more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you want to um, take us to Renault's latest offerings?
0: Yeah, Renault are being really interesting at the minute, especially when it comes to EVs uh, and stuff. They're they sort of
1: do seem oh, to have know. really gone for it, haven't they? They've embraced
0: it. They do, yes. Yeah, they, they really do. So anyway, there was a, a show, tech show, in uh, in Paris uh, last week, you know, it, it, like a proper in an exhibition centre type show uh, in Paris, and Renault Group's mobility arm called Mobilize. I watched an additional interview as well as the story, as well as the Yes Auto story we're going to link to, and it's, it's pronounced Mobilize even in French, so I'm Is not going to do silly French. It is yes, mobilize. I thought it'd be mobilize. That's how Geraldine from Lagos uh, did uh, pronounced it okay, earlier on. Cool. Anyway, all right, yeah. Uh, so they've got uh, they've unveiled three new electric vehicles, which are really intended. Uh, well, One is intended for car sharing, and two are intended for last mile deliveries. So uh, the first is called Duo, and the idea is it's a shared mobility vehicle with two seats.
1: It's a slightly more high tech uh, twizzy. I was going to ask, is this is this like the next iteration of the Twizy, do you think? I don't know. It looks It looks fab, by the way. It's still a concept, and it's not in its final form, okay.
0: according to the interview with the, the, the chap from Mobilize. Oh, uh, really it's not like quite it. in its final <laughs> form yet, but it is like a Twizy, but it's a bit more covered, and it could be used as part of a car share system. Remember, from that point of view, Renault find themselves possibly slightly on the back foot to the Citroen mm mm-hmm as well so don't forget the Ami exists this is somewhere between the Ami and a proper car i imagine but it, it it looks very much as if it has some twizzy dna there there's a second one called the bento which is essentially the the front bit of the duo Uh, But with a one cubic metre box on the back, which is intended for last, it says last kilometre, but you know what I mean, last mile deliveries as well. So Oh, so similar
1: to the Ami commercial thingy.
0: Yes, or the Twizy commercial that already exists, but has a much, much smaller box on the back. So this is that, but bigger. Mm -hmm. So inner city deliveries, which is cool. Uh, There is a third one called the Hippo. Now, I actually had to search for the words mobilise hippo earlier on to find out what it looks like so the hippo is a bit more like those you know so sort of axiom mega little things you see them as it's more like the little trucklets okay that you see often with a diesel often electric as well and it's far more of a, a more modular well they're pretty modular it's essentially the cab plus platform it's a chassis cab type thing oh, okay so uh, that be you can f- then mount whatever you want so yeah. it's for bigger uh, it's like five cubic meters or something, so it's for bigger deliveries than than you can do with a bento. Okay, uh, which is quite cool. Now the other thing, which isn't mentioned in this uh, and which I hadn't seen mentioned anywhere else because they haven't unveiled it yet, is they're saying, well, actually, what we're looking at next is something for the taxi area. Okay, so that would be quite interesting if Mobilize come along with a with an electric urban taxi uh, as well, with a profession, you know, from the professional driver point of view,
1: particularly if it's not massive. And that was
0: something. I assume not massive. Now I don't know. The guy was saying, "Well, that's kind of the next stage. No, okay. We have no concept right. yet." Yeah, yeah. So that's just a likelihood. Now I hadn't seen that in any of the English language versions of the versions of the story, so I thought it was worth worth just including. So and you're so, yeah. showing off your uh, multilingualness. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, I'm, yeah. That that's as good as it gets. No, it was there. It was in the interview that I was watching whilst I was I was sort of skimming through other stories earlier on
1: i i like it's kind of cool yeah, i like this. i like what Renault are doing i like the fact that they have realized we need to control the entire uh as they've done with their um what do you call it the the re whatever it was re-factory. The refactory that control that whole thing because you you will then know what you're doing with all the parts and all the rest of it that's great and i like that they've they're going for it with these different options for urban use of different types of vehicles for different people mm. i think i think that's something that's really for me becoming massively clear with mobility is we're going to have a ton of options that it's this is not a vhs versus betamax fight we have to realize that we have to understand that and go we're going to have the opportunity to access yeah. all these types and we just need to start getting in our mindset of Oh, to do this, I, I should use a scooter or one or the
0: bento or. I think that the I think that, that obviously electric as a propulsion system allows for an awful lot of modularity. Mm. And I also think that modern production techniques also allow for quite a lot of commonality and quite a lot of modularity as well. And I think that that what they're doing is combining those two those two different dimensions in a whole load of different ways to be able to give us this sort of menu of, 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 of sort of click-together click, together, click together vehicle types yeah, yeah. That, that suit the, the right people at the right time, uh, and that can be very specialised as a result of that.
1: Uh, so I think it's good. I think it's great. Yeah. Right, I'm going to take us away from the fun and scare you now with a ghost. Well, poltergeist, really. And this is that oh, for- researchers have found that you can actually quite easily, really, blind autonomous vehicles by exploiting their computer vision-based object detection systems. So, for an example, they've done it with the camera-based computer Mm. vision systems, which a lot of systems use at the moment for driver assistance technology. Speed limits and markings on the road
0: and that kind of thing, just tape can be be quite an enemy of these. Yeah,
1: um, but this is about making objects disappear that are actually there or making the computer in the car think there are objects so it reacts mm-hmm. as though there is suddenly something in the road now
0: like the van with traffic lights what? <laughs> yes which is just one of those things of yeah yeah what if there's a truck carrying traffic lights and it's just one of those things that you'd never even think of yeah
1: no absolutely but this this is more that what happens is that the computer s- software will compensate for the cameras jiggling about now if you can make Hmm. them jiggle about in a particular manner or make an image jiggle about so the computer thinks the car is jiggling they will overcompensate and fill in the blanks where it's not quite focused so that's where you get things that have disappeared that are actually there that's bad and then Mm -hmm. by doing that and then having a second system a uh, second attack behind that which then suddenly goes "Ooh, in this space you're not quite recognizing we we've now put in a lorry a child a bicycle that's on the floor whatever and then it will throw on the emergency brakes whatever it is so this this blur is actually quite a big problem now the um the teams that were involved because there was a team from the zhejiang university and university of michigan's security and privacy research group both these worked together to do this they did not test this They've they've tested it in lab conditions and proved that it is a thing on the software that is used by, by the manufacturers. They did not actually take a car on the road and then go look here it is we're doing it, do it. because. Yeah. Well, the next the, thing to do is do it on the test bad, track. Yeah. obviously. So it'll be it now they've they've shown proof of concept and they've shown that it really does work because the they're calling the poltergeist attacks the one where it hides things and they disappear. Hmm. Um, they've found that that works. Across various scenes, weathers, time periods, and camera resolutions. So that's quite a bad one because what they're saying mm. is that happens pretty much all the time, no matter what. But we've got, if you're not quite frightened enough, we've got another story to make it even better. So don't be thinking, oh, well, radar will fix that because there's the problem now that everybody's using radar and we're now going to have radar oversaturation. Ah, (laughs) Now, this is not a new problem. The EU commissioned a paper to discuss this back in 2012, and yet nobody appears to have done anything in the industry, and as is mentioned in the EE Times, it really puts the boot in, quite rightly, I feel, into the uh, car industry about how working together doesn't really seem to be a thing that happens too often. So there hasn't been collaboration amongst the radar Teams, There hasn't been collaboration by the OEMs and the Tier 1 suppliers to say, right, you know that we all compete with each other. Actually, we do need to sort this, otherwise there's lots of crashes going to happen, lots of systems shutting down when we don't want them to shut down because they're too confused. This is another problem we've got, and it's only going to get worse because more and more uh, of the vehicles out there uh, are using radar as part of the system, which as a system is a very good thing to use mm-hmm. except for if you happen to be in a area where lots of other vehicles are close to you and also doing that on the same frequencies or similar frequencies so there's overlap yeah.
0: i'm sure they'll have to work they'll work out a way using polarization of beams and that kind of stuff i'm sure yeah i'm sure something will, will come. Uh, hopefully yes but yeah
1: they, sooner rather than yeah, later it, it's a bit poor that it's got to this stage where E, e. times is pointing out chaps you, you really need to be chatting yeah, to each other totally. <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely anyway some some good news in porsche uk
0: we've had quite a lot of good news today apart from you know andrew i had to bring it down i had to bring it down you know me. yeah too right everybody's having far too much fun just a quick one porsche cars gb has appointed their next ceo and she is sarah simpson uh she takes over on the first september 2021 and she replaces marcus eckerman who's the current ceo and he's moving on to a currently unspecified uh, new role within uh, porsche gb sarah's worked for volkswagen group for more than 20 years past decade with bentley uh, and uh, yes she she joined us as operations director a while ago it's worth mentioning worth remembering that the uk is a very important market for porsche it is their their fourth largest market this is not a, a small thing we're, we're very quick to to make to make jokes about um, Volkswagen Group uh, replacing one middle-aged man with another middle-aged man that looks almost identical <laughs> on this occasion, they have actually not done that. So, well worth mentioning. Yep. That brings us finally to guilt minute. So, it's that quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. If you feel that the Motoring Podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise available from our website and spring store from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash and we completely understand, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show – as they're released and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you if you've done all of that and some of you do so thank you so much our patrons really are absolutely cracking then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends
1: or colleagues yep Formula E, unfortunately
0: uh Formula E. well i I've, I've fallen out of love with Formula e. i think i said that before uh, so I kind of missed that anything was happening this weekend. And it turns out that my decision to rebuild the TV cabinet and replumb all the technology in my sitting room was a good one. Andrew, who did watch one of the races before getting too mad after you.
1: Yes, I did make the mistake of watching the race on Saturday. Um, right. Before I get into the, the hows and the whys and the whats, let's actually say who won uh, and what the results were. Verline crossed the line first, but was almost immediately disqualified, uh, along with his teammate as well as two uh, drivers from Nissan, which meant that Degrassi climbed from eighth to win. Uh, and that's not actually his most insane win from further down the order ever, because he did it from no, last place had some crashes. after mm-hmm. after pitting but his teammate Renny Rast uh, was second, and Eduardo Mortara, he came in third in For Venturi. So it was very much an unexpected winners' podium, yeah. But the uh, the problem is right. There's several issues with this event this weekend, which was in Mexico, by the way. So this is a new track in Mexico. Yeah, this is a new track in Mexico. So one of the first things that leapt out to me was that the TV coverage was shocking. It was Mm -hmm. almost like amateur hour. You described it to me earlier on as
0: it looked like they'd handed some randoms an iPhone 4. Yes,
1: Uh, they were missing. Where the cameras were sighted, we could tell sort of sometimes in the background there was other stuff going on, but we never got to see that so mm. there was only certain corners you got to see in any detail so that didn't help anything at all and the, and the quality of the filming uh, you know and the, the pictures that were provided were not good either that was more like a connectivity issue as much as anything the second problem for me was where they had cited the attack mode and basically made a joker lap element mm-hmm. <laughs> And it wasn't where they'd put it, it's where they exited it back onto the track.
0: Yeah, because you said it was it was basically exiting back into the main run of the race. Yes. Or the main... Off a, off a tight chicane. But, but, but in a... Yeah, but in a position where neither party could see the other, and there were lots of there were accidents. You said two safety car accidents and a whole bunch of near misses as well. Yeah, that sounds a bit crazy. There,
1: there, there are there was large sections of each of those movements by the drivers from either side where they couldn't see anyone from outside their their vision, and that just meant, of course, there was going to be accidents because you had the people hmm. coming out of attack mode trying to go as quick as they could to get back where they were because the way it was sighted you lose places and then you had the people on the normal track are going well i'm still racing so i'm going as fast as i can to come out of this corner so there was there was two cars got wiped out which meant two uh, well uh, two coming out of the attack mode got wiped out which damaged other cars which meant safety cars whoever decided that was just That was so stupid, and you should have been able to spot that from a simple 2D map view of the track, let alone when anyone started to actually drive around it. But the final Mm -hmm. thing was that there was a a huge kickoff after the race on social media because of Verline's disqualification, um, including his teammate for Porsche and the two Nissan drivers. They were disqualified because they had not declared the tyres they were using that is a clear transgression of the rules for formula e so they they deserved
0: that how, how did nobody notice that they didn't have the, that they you know before they started how did nobody go oh, actually we've we've not got all the things for all the teams
1: that's one of the points it
0: seems pretty ruddy obvious there should be a checklist somewhere where people go yep yep, yep,
1: yep the yep. other point was that the racing stewards announced partway through the race that nissan and porsche were under investigation and then didn't say another thing And as soon as these drivers passed, as soon as Verline passed the start-finish, disqualified. So they knew for at least a lap, they knew as soon as they announced they're under investigation, many laps before the end. So why they let them complete why they let them fight with other people when they just got disqualified mm-hmm. anyway, particularly like the Nissans or anybody else, you would feel really aggrieved if you were fighting with the Nissan and came off worse and then somebody else took advantage and got past you because you were fighting with them when yeah. they should have been disqualified. As soon as you found that problem, you say, right, pull into the pit lane, all the, the Porsches and the Nissans, you're out of the race now. I mean, the fact that they shouldn't have been allowed to start. Yeah, exactly. It's just amateur hour. But added on top of that how are professional race teams not saying hang on we've got this checklist of all the things we need to declare and we haven't declared it it's not you like know, it's you we- and me have gone right let's go racing this weekend we've never done it before we don't know what we're doing we'll but we'll wing it
0: but we've been through this with formula e before yes it's down to not wearing fireproof pants you know come on people act like the world championship series you are there seems to have been i don't know i just feel that formula e is regressing i've fallen out of love with formula e which pains me i, I can't i couldn't
1: i'm not bothering to watch it anymore i didn't watch sunday i'm not
0: bothering to watch it anymore i don't know if we're going to bother to cover it anymore, i don't think there's much honest. point i've just had yeah. enough really um, I'm, I'm sorry that's that's the level i'm at with formula e is it's just a bit.
1: Yeah. There's the organisation in charge. There's the teams. There's the drivers. There's the FIA. There's the tracks. All of it combined has has made this season a farce. I still stand by my opinion that Monaco is only held as this, gets such glowing terms this season because everything else has been absolutely pants. And I think if you hold it up against other races in Formula E, I don't think Monaco stands out that far. I think it's the fact no, that we weren't really. discussing FIA, Formula E organisers, teams not filling out a form properly, and drivers not crashing into each other. That's the only reason that Monaco's talked about nicely. Show me you can do better Formula yeah. E, because I'm I'm really not that interested anymore.
0: We're not angry, we're just disappointed now. <laughs> I really am. I'm really, really disappointed. Anyway, should we move on, because we're way over time again this week, Andrew? Yeah.
1: Too many stories is not Yes, problem. quick one. Uh, Goodwood Festival of Speed is actually going to go ahead, in case you hadn't heard. They are going to be one of the events as part of the government's events research programme, hashtag experiment, where they're trying to work out what sort of events can take place with what sort of numbers of crowds, in what environments, and all the rest of it. So it's it's mm. a guinea pig event, and uh, I'm, I'm happy that for Goodwood, that it could take place because they've spent an awful lot of money to get to the point where it was going to happen anyway and they'd lose all that. I'm glad because there's going to be... it You know, a lot of manufacturers have announced how they're going to reveal stuff. So that's Mm. always great. We always want to see that. And it'll it'll just feel like another step towards normality, which Mm -hmm. we all need. (laughs) We all really need, quite frankly. This is good news and hopefully... And I'm sure everybody will, but people will behave. I know that the yeah. team worked really hard to get to the point where they could get approved by the government. So that it's mm. cracking that their even more extra efforts have been rewarded that this happens absolutely. Right, new new car absolutely.
0: news. new new cars super quickly. Uh, prices have been award- have been announced for the Hyundai i20n.
1: Very excited about this car.
0: It it should be awesomely cool. £24,995, which makes it cheaper than the Fiesta. It's very close. It's incredibly close, but it's 201 brake horsepower from its 1.6 turbocharged four-cylinder engine, 203 pound-foot of torque, 0-60 in 6.7 seconds from a B-series hatchback, and a top speed of 143 miles per hour. I imagine that if you missed out on a Yaris GRMN and you want the next best thing, this is going to be it. If you think the gr is too big too expensive this is what you buy yes I've spent some time with a cooking i20 it drove really nicely I'll talk about it more in a forthcoming special edition this should be an absolute bleeding cracker
1: yeah I cannot wait it should be great to, uh
0: my I am slightly put off by the fact that it has a grin control system though that makes me want to puke a little bit but um mm. yeah marketing what can you do about it yes quite Hopefully, far more coming on that car. Yes, uh, before very long.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. Second car for new new car news, and it is that Peugeot have decided that SUVs are not the only answer, and they have got a new three hundred eight SW station wagon, estate, or was it sporting wagon or something? Is it Peugeot call them? Uh, it's probably sport wagon or something. Yeah, who knows? Um, but it looks in the press photos. It looks cracking i love the grill it's a lovely color love the front end the color is amazing uh, i love the back end it's got obviously got the uh eye cockpit uh which we are fans of we've used before the materials inside look like they're carrying over from other purges we've tried which is a very good look a very good mm-hmm. execution in there now the the question is to get our hands it's also going to come as a hybrid by the way uh, obviously uh, as these things do yes. so the the next thing is to get hands on them and then show people that estates are actually things that can meet people's needs it doesn't have to be an suv and this is not me just dissing suvs because i do know it does sound like it but is. i do know when and for what purposes people do like them and that's fine mm but it's to hopefully we can as people who talk about cars and write about cars and all the rest of it can just let people know there are other options you know you don't have to go down that line and it just looks it looks ace it does just quickly on the
0: tech so 1.2 litre three-cylinder petrol 1.5 litre four-cylinder diesel both of which will put out 128 brake plug-in hybrids can be either 178 brake or 222 brake and they should be able to manage around 37 miles for all electric range according to top gear cool which i'm sure is according to the press release yep
1: Right, lunchtime read.
0: Uh, lunchtime read of this week is, it's one has been around for a while. I, I actually thought we'd had it as a lunchtime read, but then I think we changed out, swapped it out at the last minute. And it's Ami, myself, and I, life with Citroen's 28 mile now urban EV. It's Jim Holder and the, the Citroen Ami uh, and how he got on with it uh, for a week. And it's it's a cracking read. It's a it's really nice light read, uh, and uh, it should take you about seven minutes. As you munch your homemade sandwiches, as opposed to your Pret sandwiches uh, these days. But yes, link in the show notes to that. Uh,
1: it's it's obviously from Autocar, given it's Jim. Yep, good one. That I did. I did like that one a lot. Hmm. Right, to continue the French theme that seems to have been quite prevalent tonight. <laughs> it just seems so, and it crept up
0: on. Yeah, us. It, it was it nothing fallen that way. By it's the way. It's not
1: deliberate. It's not deliberate. But uh, this is Top Gear's Top Nine forgotten french luxury barges right alan uh, i'm not going to pick one but have you got one in here because there's only nine have you got no, one i've in got here? about seven here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem uh so i am going to choose the well, the one i've not tried nobody tells me it's just not great in any way shape or form it's not that it's bad it's just not good in any way shape or form and that's the Citroen ds5 mm-hmm. I just like the concept of it. I think it's the sort of luxury car come SUV stroke estate thing done done really nicely aesthetically. I'm told it can be a bit special uh, in other ways. Ride comfort, for example, and just doesn't quite feel finished, but I think it looks great. Yeah,
1: I've, al- I've always liked it. There was the also
0: a diesel hybrid version as well. Mm. Again, was just you know maybe another couple of months on the software would have worked to treat i
1: believe you you can pick them up for just under seven grand now you know with not really? many miles on them
0: no 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 but just, just but how many electrical issues there we go anyway there's the other eight are possibly better it's up to you but they're certainly an eclectic mix so uh well worth a look uh, and a quick skim through
1: Yep. right take us to the end finally then
0: uh, and finally this week is the announcement last week. Uh, yeah, it was just at the weekend, wasn't it? That Sabine Schmidt is going to have a corner named after her. The highest, obviously, honour to do with the, the Nürburgring. So Sabine Schmidt's curve is going to be the first corner of the Nürburgring. The Nordschleife. Um, which is, sorry? The Nordschleife of the Nordschleife, pardon me, yes, quite right. I should have should have clarified that. Uh of the the Nürburgring Nordschleife. Fantastic. Really good. Uh this has been met I've only seen overwhelmingly positive reaction to that. I think it's the right I think it's a nice thing and the right thing to do, I think. She and and you know certainly some of the guys from Top Gear played a big big part in the pure popularity of the certainly of the of the Nordschleife here mm. in the UK, you know top gear was showed everywhere but i think that she became a, a she became a well a character completely linked to the notch life which I, I don't think is a bad thing at all no. so i think that's brilliant uh, the official ceremony will be on the uh, on the 11th of september as part of the 6 hour uh, race in the nürburgring endurance series so there we go excellent that is almost it for this week a uh, parish notes it was a special edition last friday where I talked about the Ford Focus st line X. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just as well they haven't added another two trim levels above it, really, isn't it? Yes. Also worth mentioning, new show on Quest this week, uh, Three Men, Four Wheels. It starts at nine PM on Thursday, the twenty-fourth of June. I've watched it already because I've got Disco Plus. This first one is a classic. They have a. Uh, um, an it, it, Italian uh, the 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 car of the week, isn't it, is an Italian sex dungeon, as it's described at one point. So the whole idea is: there's three folk. There's Drew Pritchard. There is Mario Franchetti. Uh, Marino Franchetti. Andy J. Andy J. I can never remember Andy's name. That's so bad. Uh, Andy J. And they every week there's a notable car, uh, generally a race car, and the idea is that one of them. It is that one of them uh, tries to sell the idea of that this is very important to the other two normally with success quite often in some cases in some cases the the, the challenge is that actually everybody believes it really is right from the start and it's a bit hard to keep that pretense off, but <laughs> who cares they're fantastic cars i learned lots it's one of those shows that will should appeal to the whole gamut of how interested you are in, in cars. Uh, so some of them, well, mo- many of them you will have heard about and you will know about. So the Mini Cooper, for example, the, in which Paddy Hopkirk won a Monte Carlo rally. Everyone knows about that. Everybody knows about the lovely Paddy Hopkirk. Uh, but fewer people know, perhaps, about the Stovebolt Special in a different one, which I knew about, but I didn't, underst- I didn't know how how important it was. Uh, i didn't i knew it must be important but i didn't understand the history uh that led to that so loads to learn really good enjoyable easy watching on um quest yep. it's quest because it involves drew pritchard and quest is of course the drew pritchard channel yes. <laughs> that's us for the week uh, oh there will be another special edition on friday by the way i just have to actually record it tomorrow um, so then that will be out uh, and that's us for this week but don't forget that between now and next week you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts on the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram on Facebook and on the contact page of MotoringPodcast.com the hub of all our activities please don't forget about our Patreon offer or any of the other ways to su- to support us available at MotoringPodcast.com slash support and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way
1: to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to know even more about the programme of Three Men, Four Wheels, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you personally?
0: Uh, you can get in touch with me personally uh, via Twitter, where I'm at A-J-P Bradley. That's B R E D L E Y. As I say, we'll be back very soon. Until then, I've been Alan Bradley.
1: I've been Andrew Clues.
0: And safe motoring.